Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanna tell you about our upcoming Wrenchway Roundtable that is going to be talking about why shops need to focus on technician career development. And we're going to be doing this roundtable on February 24th at 7 p.m. Central Time. We've got an outstanding panel to talk about career development. And that panel includes Tim Winkler from VIP Tires and Service, Jim Bennett from ATI, Jake Schaefer from Smart Motors Toyota, and Damon Augustino from Sixth Street Automotive. We've had all of these guests on our podcast, and they are all great and bring a really, really high level of expertise to this conversation. Join us on February 24th. We think it's going to be really popular, just like the one we had in January, and look forward to seeing you. Beyond the Wrench with Jay Gunnan from Find the Wrench. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Wrench. Today, I am excited to welcome Jim Bennett uh, from Car Masters and recently, newly, from ATI, Automotive Training Institute. Uh, welcome, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Jay. Good. I, uh, I, I'm excited to get you on. You're a ball of knowledge. Uh, you've got a, a ton of experience and uh, uh, just a lot of insight into a lot of things that are really relevant to technicians all over the place. So uh, I, I want to start off similar to what we do with other episodes with having you talk about how you got to where you're at today. Like what, what was it that uh, uh, your experience that led you into the automotive world? Well, my, my father was a uh, employee of Ford Motor Company, Chicago Assembly. I grew up in the Midwest, outside of Chicago, then southwestern Michigan. The um, we also had a body shop and a mechanical shop at home, and my dad worked on dragster race engines for a local uh, marathon station in Park Forest, Illinois. So you know, as a toddler, seeing a, a rail light up and go down the, the you know the street in, the, in a residential area, that was kind of you know good memories. So my neighbor, we moved to the country. My neighbor also had a owner operator fleet of semis. And, and before I, as a young teenager, just 13, 14, I was starting to do preventive maintenance uh, on the semis. And he was teaching me how to drive and move them around the yard. And I wanted more and more and more. And I was in a rural area in Michigan. There wasn't a lot there. I joined the Navy straight out of high school when I was 17. I went to the construction mechanic school and the Navy and the Seabees down in Gulfport, Mississippi. That was a reserve program. I, I, I got that one back home and did even more work at home, working on cars and trucks. And then I decided I went uh, active duty Navy from the reserve program. The construction mechanic that I love was overmanned. So I went to the fleet as an engineer, where I worked on um, little outboard gasoline engines, a huge propulsion diesels, auxiliaries, and even gas turbine jet engines. Part of the, uh, the career path there where I volunteered to stay at sea and did special projects, I had a more engineering experience on different platforms than most when I was finally, they finally told me, you got to go to shore duty sooner or later, after I passed it up twice, I chose instructor duty. I got certified and trained under San Diego Community College program with the Navy and Great Lakes, become an instructor. And then because of the expertise in, in, in the fleet and having four different propulsion platforms under my belt and auxiliaries, they had me become a curriculum developer, which is normally a second tour master training specialist instructor. I wrote two courses, a basic engineering school and an advanced school that both got a college accredited. Then I moved into the new technology department where I 
helped develop with two other instructors a brand new course to teach junior enlisted and senior officers how to develop animated computer-based curriculum. I'd, I had already you know, developed a couple of those lessons myself. Then I became, when that course finished, I became the database programmer for all the learning resource centers data and, and wrote code for a couple of years. Really? So yes, uh, the Navy replaced me with two data processors. They had to create two new billets to replace an engine chief. So that, that was interesting, but there's so much life experience. I was with such great mentors between technology and leadership and, and working out of my rate and in the rate at the same time. You know, I, I still use that information today with, and it made it a lot easier to understand coding and flashing and vehicles and different networks. The, uh, then in 1996, I, while I was still active Navy, I retired in 2002. I seen a flyer where Navy campus, their, their, their educational program was paying for ASE testing. And they were some of the source, the construction mechanic and the engineer rating were both source rates where they would, you could take all the mechanical ASE tests you wanted. So I started doing a little bit of studying and taking tests. I uh, wasn't too many years that I, uh, four years before I retired in 1998, I opened a brand new Car Masters Automotive, which will be 23 years now in this June of uh, 2021 that it will have been open. I achieved, I uh, had for years, 22, 23 certifications. And one day I was also getting contracted as a claims investigator for arbitration some extent of warranty and testifying in court as an expert. I happened into a GM dealer over in the, the, the Hampton Newport News area of Virginia. And I seen this world-class technician badge on this technician that was getting ready to require it. I'm like, what's that? Cause I'd never heard of that. <laughs> and I'd been in the program for years. And that's when he said, well, you need 22 certs. I said, well, I've got more than that. And he said, oh, but you gotta have, there's certain certs. You gotta have master automotive truck and, and collision, which I also owned a body shop. <laughs> and an L1 and L2, and you get to be what they call a world-class technician, which is a combined Auto Care Association ASC award. So I took a couple more tests. I now have 29 certs. Wow. So I've got I've got the, I've been the world-class for years, which is uh, a, is a pretty small group. When I got my letter a couple years ago, you know, several years back from from uh, the Auto Care Association, they Very said there had been less than 2,030 years, and I think it's still below 2,000 currently that have achieved that. Wow. And having been with, uh, I had another trainer that was helping coach myself and some other shops in the Norfolk area that was from Canada that, uh, and I, and from being in the Navy with leadership training and, and training my crew and being, having been an instructor, I knew how important it is to have a second set of eyes, continue education. And as well as we, we first trained the trainer, which we now call for technicians, mentors, the uh, the importance of that when that when that training group went away, ATI happened to come in and did what they called a boot camp, and I went to that, and I'm like, oh yeah, this this is exactly like where I was, but to the next level. I signed my shop up with ATI program to get coached and have my myself as an owner coached and my service providers trained and coached back in February of 2009. So I've been with ATI for some time. ATI has is forever listening to their clients and, and continues every year to up their game up what they do for their clients yeah. to help them to
to, to, to improve their success and their abilities. They've now added technician training. So I'm in the process and I've already uh, added quite a few tools since I started in January 11th. There's a full set of diagnostic surveys. We have a self-assessment. We have uh, some tests for assessment. And I'm still working on more as we go, as well as some formal lessons. One of the things we're doing, having been in the industry for so long, uh, myself and my shop is also MAP certified for Motors Insurance Program. And having been in the ASC qualification pipeline, I'm also, from being with ATI, exposed to AMI. So I'm accredited master automotive manager. So our curriculum that we develop as a team at ATI is going to check all those boxes where it'll meet AMI's requirements, motors assurance program terminology for uniform and consistency. The goal is to have it ASE case certified, as well as if we, when we meet and exceed all that, it'll, it'll clearly be department of labor certified for an apprenticeship program. Man, that's, that's a lot to unpack that, that, that is one. I think your experience is so unique in that you've, you know, one, you've been in it all your life, but then two, it, it is interesting on how much focus you put on the education side, right? And how much you put on trying to make sure that you're you're putting kind of your best self out there. One thing I want to ask you that's kind of a little bit off topic um, before we get into our topic of the day is what advice would you give to maybe a young technician that is going in to take those ASC tests and going to, or, you know, whatever exam it is, some certification test, I know there's a lot of technicians I talk to that get really, really nervous about that. Um, is there any any good advice on maybe a mental approach of, of how you go after those, those tests? I've been fortunate where I've been able to remember a lot of what I've done and it's helped me with testing. But even in the Navy, I learned more and was more successful the same as with automotive technician by doing than reading a study book. But I also want to back up. I don't want to devalue any study books or courses because there's a few things that uh, where most of the ASC stuff, I was close to acing or did very well when I took the test. There was a couple areas that you don't do all the time or that are done at different levels that, you know, I might've passed a, I think collision estimator the first time by one point. But then when I seen a few questions on a couple things I didn't do on a regular basis, even though I owned a body shop and I wrote estimates, but I hadn't used every system out there or, or been exposed to every possible combination of conditions. Right. I remember the questions I didn't know and I went back and studied them. So next time it wouldn't be, you know, passing by one. So anytime I seen it, I took a test and there was something I didn't know. I remembered, I'm going to go back and do some homework here and yeah. I'm going to get better. The, as well as different, depending on uh, that's that's why it's so important and so uh, probably the worst thing that I see on an ongoing basis that you deal with is technicians, service advisors, or owners too busy to help themselves, and it's a shame that it, because you know one of the things that everybody's got their sayings the ones i hear a lot you know keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results we all know that's referred to as a definition of insanity 
if, if your lead tech is so short and he's, and he's a true valued asset and a team player, if he doesn't make some time to be a mentor, you're going to forever be shorthanded as well as, as that technician starts getting older, he's physically going to be, or she able to do less. I've seen a lot more she's that are doing a great job too. Yes, so I we want to include that. 100%. So, so that's the, if you get ahead of that, that's part of one of our first steps as well as with, uh, with AMI will be, you know, shop foreman and train the trainer, get the mentor tra- certified, get the mentor trained as well as there's different personality tests and not all of us get along sometimes. Yeah. Even though we're all great people, we all have potential. So that's part of the same thing with a service advisor that you can do a Wonderlick test. There's PXT does testing. There's some other testing that ATI has where you can try to kind of figure out what personalities people are and pair up the ones that will be most likely have show success and compatible, most likely be compatible so, you know, yeah. just like on, on sales, some people are drivers or motivators. They're both great. They both do their job well. But it, so there's a lot more than just, hey, work with him or help him or help her or whatever. Yeah, I, I so the, the interesting part to, of, about this to me is that's really something ATI introduced me to, because when I when I thought about Wonderlick testing in the past, I always thought like, NFL quarterbacks or, you know, like in the draft, they would take the Wonderlick test. And, and um, I, I didn't know much about it, but explain to me what that is. Like, what is the Wonderlick test? It, it's a comprehensive personality profile. And, it, and what they do in a nutshell is a very in-depth examination of people that have done that skill set, that job that were successful. And they develop testing to try to predict, and they're fairly accurate. Um, my, uh, I, and I, I can go into later if you want to hear, but where <laughs> I've used them for service writers, and you want to ignore it, you shouldn't. You know, but it isn't an acid test. There's some people, just like they're told they can never be, that, that uh, may not have scored well on a Wonderlick, but wound up being a great quarterback. But they had to work a lot harder. It didn't come natural. So, this helps to, you know, identify strengths and weaknesses. And even then, just like the example I gave where some, uh, some people may not score as a, in a sales world, a driver motivator. And then they, those are both normally successful sales, but they have different skill sets and different, you know, uh, strengths that you want to have that person in the appropriate job related to their strengths and then you want to try to coach and instruct and build them on the weaknesses to try to help make them well-rounded oh, i i love this stuff because i think it's so important and something you know on the technician side that a lot of times it's easy to gloss over or even on the service writer side or service advisor side is the personality side and and you know you and i have talked about this in the past but i've talked about this with a lot of people in we end up kind of behind the ball, a little behind the eight ball a little bit and have to hire the next person that comes in the door because we're, we're so desperate to find somebody. Right. And, and I think that's where as shops, the, the evolution of shops continues to me, that's such an undervalued thing is that that personality, the alignment of personalities and making sure that this manager works with this technician well. And, and, 
granted, we're all going to have bad days, but there's so much value in that in finding those people that work well together because you're just going to have a stronger team as a result, right? Well, it, exactly. And, and there's so much more involved than what people realize. As a shop owner, when I was trying to find a technician, there'd be such a huge volume of applicants I didn't have enough time to go through every one like I wish I had. So that's where sometimes you need some assistance with some, with some different, you know, teams out there that you can hire or contract to help you dwindle that down. But if you don't know what to do with them, once you're given a uh, eligible candidate that has, you know, screened of having potential, that's where you kind of need both. You know, you need you need some help in, in your screening and identifying, and then you need to know what's best practices, I like to call, where the, some of the Wonderlicks, the PSTs, and there's other personality profile tests. Some of those tests are free that you can do that ATI provides. Some of them are there's a, a fee with, no matter, you know, where you go through ATI or whoever, right. but they all have value. And if you don't know the personalities and strengths and weaknesses, then you may be setting them, the, the, the new candidate and yourself up for failure when they may have had a, a successful opportunity if it was applied differently or with a different mentor or even possibly in a different position in your same organization that you didn't know they were great at, that you may not need that moment or you might be hiring for more than one. There's yeah. been times when uh, somebody applied for a tech, but they scored well as an advisor. It's, it, to me... So I, uh, I worked for a company at one point where we had to take the disc assessment, right? And, and I think once you take one of those, those kind of personality assessments, I think you even learn a little bit about yourself, right? And, and I think we all have an idea of what we're good at, maybe what we're not so good at. But it was so weird to take this test and then get the report back and be like, yeah, they nailed me. Like they're <laughs> everything on this thing was like spot on. The, uh, they give an example the Wonderlick test for sales has 88 questions, real versus ideal, gives you a 37 page assessment about what makes you tick. And majority of people are just like what you said. They look at it, wow, you know, that is me. And I didn't realize <laughs> that. Now, there's a few that don't like the results that are in denial, but that's another story. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and even that, it's like, that's the coaching side too, of, of trying to bring them up to understand, you know, it's okay to have weaknesses. It's okay to do that. You know, that if you fall short in this area, let's try to figure out ways that we can help grow you. And, and, you know, maybe sometimes it's just not going to work out that that's just not a fit whatsoever, but there are lots of opportunities to kind of start that conversation based on that, that paper. So I, I appreciate you kind of diving into the wonder look a little bit, because I think it's so valuable and it's a tool that not everybody uses in something that I think could, could have a, a positive impact on a lot of people. So um, now I think that segues really, really nicely into our, our next topic and really the topic of the day that we're going to talk about, which is career pathing and, and being able to, kind of paint that picture of what what a tech's career is going to look like with you. And you've done a lot of research, a lot of work, uh, and, and with your new role at ATI, you're diving headfirst into this. Talk to me a little bit about career paths, why it's important, 
uh, why there's, you know, that why we should even have this conversation. The, the automotive field has a lot of potential. And at the same token, there's a lot of technicians in the next decade are going to be aging out. There's, uh, it's becoming more and more technical. And it, as well as with the right organization and the right skill set, it could be very lucrative. So it's a good career that's not going to go away. The demand is going to be there and it's going to be ever increasing. So to be able to capitalize on that, and it's just like you said, a career path where the, the best candidate, the most successful that I've seen are getting some type of formal education, whether it be some classroom, some online self-study, but even the formal training trade schools and colleges want that individual to do an internship or some hands-on in a shop so they can apply that and see more than just in a classroom or on a video screen. So when you combine those different learning medias of seeing, hearing, and doing, that's when you're going to have the best uh, potential to retain and then later on apply that. That's great. The, yeah. Well, and, and I've got a... Uh, to give you just in my shop alone, my my senior foreman, uh, team leader, manager out in the shop, guy named Chuck, he came to me in 2001 as somebody else's helper. Now he's moved all the way up to the ranks in mind to, to, to become a, you know, a, a senior tech and then a team leader. Then ultimately he's my senior manager in the shop. Wow. Love it. Now, a couple, two years ago, one of his sons, he had two sons, his youngest son came in as an apprentice without having gone through school. We put him into a training program and he has since then, he just passed an ASE test today. All right. About eight, nine months ago, he became a licensed Virginia State Police Safety Inspector, which you have to have a minimum of one year experience for. So he is progressing up on the on the his his um, amount of billable flat rate hours. Like we all know what those are. Those are steadily going up. His skill level is increasing, and so is his pay. Not to mention his, his satisfaction. Oh, I love that because you're you're you see that evolution, and you see. I think what I love about your approach here, Jim, is you didn't bring him in and I see this too often with shops right they'll bring that that young person in and they're expecting him to produce in, in like a month and it's just unrealistic isn't it exactly what I, I've got a saying and I in, uh, that I a lot of people have heard me say and it started out where I had multiple sales reps from different parts stores come in and they see me signing up for we're a Napa Auto Care. We used to be a tech net, but I've gone and even as a Napa Auto Care signed up for all the Napa classes as well as from other parts stores, you know, paid for those classes. And if there's some any one off specialty training, get the appropriate technicians that haven't been to that in in addition to do my own training in-house. And I've had those reps ask me, you know, why do you spend so much on training? You know, what if what if they leave? And you spend all that much on training and they go to a competitor. And my answer to them was pretty, pretty simple. It was like, what if I don't and they stay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're not evolving your shop at all then. Yeah. What if I don't train them and they stay? Then what do I have? What if I, you know, what I have invested nothing in them. Their, their capability is going to be a fraction of what it could be to help myself, my customers, 
whether whether it be the front counter on jobs they sell or the technicians in the back, my goal is to try to do everything so it's good for the company, good for the the staff, and good for the customer at the same time. I love that. I I really really like that, and I think if if nothing if nothing lands home out of this podcast with people other than that, I would be happy because I think that is such a such an important piece. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people talk about growing their own and talk about doing, a, you know, they talk a big game when it comes to this, this is execution of that. And I think that is such a big, big piece that we miss out on is that execution side. And, and it can be really easy to say, you know, Hey, we're booked out, you know, two weeks in the shop. We don't have time for this training. Let's not do this. And, and, you know, I give ATI a lot of credit in that regard because they've you know, in working with my dad shop, they've changed my mind on that, right? Like I was so used to like pack the cars and let's go, let's get, you know, let's get as much out as we can. And, and to kind of have that manage your car count, do it the right way, you know, get the training in order. Like there, there's just such a better, more methodical approach that I think you take and a lot of really, really great shops take. And, and I, one, I applaud you for it, but then two, that leads into that career pathing, right? Like, so if, if you, if you're laying out the career path, you kind of have a map as to what training they need, don't you? Well, exactly. And that's a combination of setting their goals, letting them know, Hey, in two years, in one year or year, year and a half, we expect you to get from that GS knows nothing, training all the safety, training the basic stuff. And we'll get you to the, become the safety inspector with the state police so that's they require a minimum of one year, and then within two years we're going to get you at you know your first ASC and more ASCs after that, and keep working giving them the goals of basically if you look in almost any of the uh, any of the reference you know pro demand or all data they all motors children's no matter what you use they all assign a, a D a C a B an A skill level technicians, and and give them a career path where they can go from that no training coming in the door green to safely working on cars and being that D tech, C tech, B tech, and also kind of giving them an example of what, what the responsibilities and pay everything with it, you know, so they, they've got goals and, and, and it's also really good if the, if your manager, your shop owner, not only knows your professional goals, what's your personal goals? How many of us have friends or people that we grew up with or in other businesses that may own or know somebody that can help your team member with their personal goal that you can refer to, you know, and, and follow up. I mean, it, it, if it's just part of caring and taking care of their, their career path and helping them along there, before I started asking those questions and, and, and there again, ATI helped me to, opened my eyes to that years ago where there's many things that we can, even some of our team outings that we do have changed knowing what everybody likes to do. And we kind of mix it up. So. I, that, that is, that is fascinating to me. And so walk me through when, when you, so when you hire that new person on, uh, say you, you, it's a green technician, no experience other than maybe they worked at a Jiffy Lube or something like that. Say they come on, 
what is, what is like the first step you take with them? Do you sit down and walk through that training plan with them right away? Or do you have them shadow somebody at first or like, how does that work? Well, there again, it depends on their age and their skill level, what they've got. Ideally, it's best if you could get somebody that's still in high school and get ready to graduate and you want to include their parents. Ah, love it. You know, so that way their parents, especially when you have a really professional organization and you've got a lot of diagnostic and specialty equipment to where they can see the environment that their son will be in or daughter will be in. There's a stigma or, uh, on a lot of people that don't exactly think of a mechanic, you know, as being a technically professional, you know, career. So some parents may not support that because they don't know any better. Yeah. So it's opening the eyes of what's possible to both. So you get the, the, the buy-in from both, but then you, you got to practice what you preach as well. You know, you, you know, that's where it's good to, if you've got people in the shop that you can show that have gone from and a helper to the shop manager, that's ideally for as far as a business owner or many technicians open their own business, started out and they've worked their way up for your business. It should be able to work and run without you. Yes. You should be able to work on your business, not work as an employee in the business. That way you can help all areas of the business success and, 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 and grow. Yeah. And then if there is some, one of your key individuals is temporary out, then you, you may need to once in a while be an employee in your business, but that should be the exception, not the norm to help them get through whatever they need. Well, and but, I think that's, that's where that career, like that's the stuff when I, I think when we clarify what working on your business rather than working in your business is, that's what we're talking about, right? Is, is laying out a career path for your team, you know, having those individual conversations with them. So you know what their personal goals are. So, you know, you know, what their professional desires are, because a lot of times I think, you know, I was guilty of this is you, uh, you put a tech in the shop and then you just think they're happy, right? You don't, you know, you, you don't, you don't have that personal connection or, or don't make it intentional to have that personal connection. And when you lose that, you, you kind of lose that personal feeling and you don't know where they want to be at. And, and to me, that impacts their career path that impacts everything and if and honestly i think from a technician's shoes or any employee's shoes people struggle with that because if 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 they don't think you care there's no loyalty there well and and, and that's a great point and you really you don't need to be telling them you care you need to be showing them you care yes you know because you know the the and it, there's no other way around that you know because you know you got to practice what you preach you got to back up your 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 action your words with, with actions, and they need to be able to come to you if they have a, a, a suggestion or, or there's an issue. Now, I really like it when they come to me with a solution. Yes, you know, but I mean everything, even from like everybody knows what a multi-point or a courtesy check or a, or a wellness or a health check, whatever you want to call it. One of the one of the concepts there is where you get your team together. And even though we know there's these so many points that we need to check, let's, from all your experience, what works best for you from the inside out, 
let's put this in the order that you want. Kind of do a clinic, if you want to call that, Curtis and Chuck Clinic. And let's make this, you know, work for you to make it easy and flow for you. So even though everything's getting checked that, that, that needs to be checked, you can, there's so many things you can do, even how you outfit and, and equip your shop of what goes where can save steps, save times, make it easier. So it just so much of a team concept from the training to the production, you know, to the, to the everyday environment. One of the things that I've encouraged the technicians to do, which there again, I've learned this from ATI with the service advisors, you go to the, their service advisor school, you have a goal poster, you have professional and personal. And, and if cool. the technician wants to share that, which I encourage that, that's when you can try to help follow, see how they're doing with their goals. And at times there again, if you know somebody from a, another field or whatever that can help them, you know, we recently helped the service advisor get a house because know somebody that was in the, in the real estate and, and it kind of greased the wheel and helped them out. There's all different ways. And sometimes it, you know, costs you nothing but a few minutes. Sometimes you can contribute to their goal for, for a good person, Man. you know, to, to help them out, you know, cause Think about all the different, hopefully you had some breaks or a mentor or somebody in your, which I was blessed. I had some really good ones in the Navy and then with some incredible coaches at ATI. Yeah, I, I still, uh, it's funny because one of my early mentors, um, his name was Charlie Barco and he worked with me at diesel injection service when I was first kind of getting my feet underneath me. And he had passed away a couple of years ago. And right after he passed away, I was going through some things and found his old business card. And I actually have that framed in my office now. Uh, and it's, I think it, it's so true in looking back through my career progression. I'm sure this, you said the same thing with you is the need for that mentorship and that, that need for to even ask, you know, what you, what we think might be a silly question now, when I was 22 years old and I, trying to find a real estate agent, you don't know a lot of people or you don't know a lot of professional people. And in fact, there's still a lot of them still in school at that point. So, you know, trying to try, I think that just that alone shows that you care. And I think in that career progression step, something that you've talked a lot about is that mentorship side, right? And, and you know, how are we, you know, we lay out the plan, we lay out the training with that person, and then we want to see them succeed, right? And so we assign them a mentor, or as you mentioned, like it used to be train the trainer, and then it kind of shifted over. What is it that you find in a good mentor? Is it only diagnostic skill? Is it uh, personal skill, like management type skills? Like, what do you look for when you're when you're looking at a mentor? Well, that that's where it's not just diagnostic. We'll clear that up right now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how many. Uh, just give you something. Any tech down here will know, know that's been in the professionally trained. How many junior guys that came that weren't professionally trained that didn't have a good mentor and hadn't been through a, a, a proper training path that brand new rotors they're using brake clean to get the corrosion protection off of them when we all know you that's not what the brake pads are supposed to go on you know nice soap and water clean them up and and let them dry not a solvent yes so the little things though like that is part of from a to z don't assume they were trained properly i mean that doesn't mean you micromanage them but that means you be there you guide them and and 
for years I had started on my own where my team leaders, which were the mentors, they got compensated off every hour somebody on their team trained. Mm. Now, as you get an apprentice one-on-one with somebody getting older, then you kind of up that to a higher level where they get, you know, they're, they're getting, it depends on the shop and the organization and how much training and mentoring, but to where that can extend the productivity of that older technician while mentoring and training, given a, a career path for somebody brand new can make them both productive longer. Well, and you helped your quality control, you helped the education of that young technician. And I think that is so, oftentimes I think, especially with the baby boomers right now, we let them go out the door with a just a load of knowledge and just say, ah, you physically can't do it anymore. You know, here's, you know, here's your parting gift. <laughs> Thanks for your 30 years here. Uh, when, again, I think that's an extension of showing that you care even about that veteran technician and, and how you treat that veteran technician, that, that young technician is looking at that side too, right? Like they're, they're looking to see, you know, okay, are they treating Randy right? Because Randy's put his heart and soul into this business. And if they don't treat him right, as he's going out the door, why should I stick around for any extended period of time? Because they obviously don't care about that person. I, I had a, uh, this past Christmas, I had a grown man, a technician that had come from another shop that it had been here less than a month when he got a Christmas card. He was like, it couldn't believe it. Overwhelmed. Like, wow, nobody's ever done that. And then when he opened it and he had a bonus and he hadn't been here that long, he's like, it was in further disbelief, you know, so that, it, and it doesn't have to always be money. If, if, if they've contributed to your team and helped contribute to your success, then I like, I like sharing the wealth and, sh- and showing them. I appreciate them, but it's not just that it's the different team items we do, whether we, you know, I also own uh, some stock cars that race out at a uh, local home track at Langley Speedway and some other tracks where I've had my crew go out to the races, be in the pits, a couple of them have raced some cars I've owned. Wow. So it, it's, it's a variety of, they like bowling. We've done bowling nights, um, being retired military, I'm an active shooter. So some of them love going out and shooting. So it's a combination of the, what they like, you know, and if it's something you like too, that's even a home run there. But even if it's not, that can, you can expand your own horizons, Yeah, you know, but working together as a team and the different team building, you know, events. I mean, I, I've had a couple of shop owners said, why, well, I would never go into into a gun range you give my all everyone that worked for me a loaded gun I'm like, well maybe you don't have the right culture there you know maybe your screening wasn't quite as good as it should be i mean i'm tr- trusting them to work on my company vehicles and my customers brakes you know the, you know the uh, i'll just leave that one there you know <laughs> Uh, there might be other core issues at that shop that you need to address. That's kind of what I'm saying. You know, we'll just leave leave that one alone. But uh, yeah, you know, the I, I really truly appreciate, you know, everyone on my team. Yeah. And if they're having a bad day, it isn't you did this wrong. It's you know, we we well, just like all whether it be a technician or whatever, we'll look at hey, what opportunity do we have to do it better? Not this is what you did wrong. You know, and sometimes they, the, I, I've had a, a different people point things out that I hadn't thought about that. Wow. A different young, I said, eyes perspective. 
and we improved our process. So that that's value, and you need to value at every every level. Yeah, and I want to extend this part of the conversation a little bit more because, in my experience, and this is something I've advised you know a lot of shops on that just are friends, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, but I've had, you know, maybe a shop owner or a manager uh, come in and say, Hey, you know what, this tech has worked for me for, you know, eight years is good. He's hit a rough patch. Now I think I got to let him go. And to me, I'd be, I'd be curious to hear your take on this side of it, because a lot of times what I, what I've said is I think you need to go deeper into this conversation rather than just letting that person go and especially if you have some level of relationship, but to sit down with them and say, okay, hey, what's going on? There's gotta be something on in your personal life that's impacting what's happening in your daily life here. What is it and can I help? Is, is there, I mean, do you see something similar with other shops or is it, is it more me, <laughs> me seeing that? No, I, I, I've had times when somebody became a single parent and you didn't know that, or they, or they, or they had a, a parent that moved in with them and, and regardless their, their schedule changed because they were a caregiver, whether it be somebody older or younger, and they didn't want to like burden you, which is a shame that shouldn't, they should never feel that way. And, and it, sometimes it could be as simple as changing their schedule, shifting it a few hours one way or the other way. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, it, 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 and it could be that I, I've actually seen sometimes when somebody changed their hours where they want less hours, but they took care of their family. And when they were there, they were more productive. So they worked less hours, but got more done than they were doing before because they were run ragged. So, you know, if they've given their, their year in year out their time to you, then you know, you are obligated, at least I believe you are, to try to do the best for them if they're trying to do the best for you. Yeah. But th- that's one thing I've, I've always said, you know, I've got, I try to have high standards. We're Napa Gold Shop, ASC Blue Seal Certified, Repair Pale Top Shop, and, and, and other, you know, different, you know, programs yeah, we're in and approved. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And really so I, I, I like to have high standards, but I also like to reward them. But at the same token, if, there is a something that you've done what I've asked you to do and it doesn't go right. I'm going to own it. And then let's help me with squirt together to make this better and improve our process. So that whether that be professional or personal, it applies, you know, most relationships I've learned fail, whether it's personal or business because of lack of or improper communication. Hmm. Boy, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? I, um, and, and those conversations specifically, I mean, that's, that's somebody's life and they're, you know, they, especially if they've been loyal to you for say that eight years and then you, I think that's a great opportunity. And this is the way I look at it is that's a great opportunity to create more loyalty is if you could work through them, uh, work with them through a rough patch and help them get back on their feet again. I mean, that, that is so impactful. It, it's funny you say that, that because that brings back a memory. When I was, I was hadn't retired from the Navy yet. I was my first two or three years in owning a business, and there was an older gentleman that had 
you know, started to build a relationship that was bringing his vehicles in. And he was starting to bring some family members and friends in. And he had shared with me that he was retired business consultant, you know, early, you know, after about the first year or so. So one day I'm at the counter and I'm, uh, which in the early days, you're the technician, the service advisor <laughs> and, and the, you know, the owner, all the above, but, uh, I'm at the counter. I've got a couple employees now. And he, uh, he asked me, he says, uh, you know why I, uh, I've been bringing my friends in and I keep coming back and, and family members have bringing their vehicles in. So I, you know, I'm thinking from like a logical factual, you know, at least I thought I was. I would like to think it's because to charge reasonable prices and do good work. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, you know, be perfectly honest, over half of the shops out there do that. And then he kind of dumbfounded me. I was like, uh, well, uh, why? And he says, everybody is defined on how they handle things when they're going less than perfect. Hmm. He said, after about a year or two when we were with you, we had a light come back on or something happened. And like a lot of good shops, you often have a little bit of a backup where, you know, you're scheduling a week or two weeks out because you got a demand. Yeah. When we heard you, when we were getting towed in, telling people on the phone, new people that wanted to give you new money, that it was going to be a week or however long, to, you know, they're scheduling for them. But yet ours may have been a, a, a warranty that was, you were not making any more money on because it had come back after being serviced. You gave us a priority higher than the new pay customers. He said that, that meant something right there. Plus we see so many times in many, uh, especially dealerships. Don't want to pick on them, but it is yeah. what it is. You know, having looked at so many invoices doing claims investigations, but they're pretty vague. They're not very descriptive. It doesn't mean you need to write a novel on every invoice, but when you have a diagnostic or do work, you want enough details so that if something else happens in the future, it's easy to tell if it's related or not related, if it's right. a new problem or, or if it is a, a, a repeat because of either, a, you know, cause a part failure or a technician error. It, no one's perfect. It can happen. So he said, your, 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 your records are pretty professional and detailed. And that when we had two different times, when we come back, one of the times you had a part failure, the documentation was good. Originally it was good. The second time you owned it, didn't charge us nothing, got us in before the new work. That impressed me. He said another time that it was a new problem and it was a completely different non-related code, but you had, you know, the pictures of the code you had and everything was documented and, and you, you made us feel good either way that you were, had an open mind and you weren't prejudging us or telling us it wasn't covered or not covered, whatever you told us, you know, he says, it's how you handled it and how you made us feel when things were less than perfect. Wow. He said, that's what defines pretty much anybody. And at that point I said, okay, well, what do I owe you? I know you're their business <laughs> consultant. And he, and he joked, he said, the first one's free, you know, <laughs> like a lawyer. I, but I said, wow, that, and that's carried with me all these years. That was pretty profound. That is brilliant. And so true. I mean, really, really true. That is, that is so cool. Uh, just great advice. Well, how, if you were to give, we're about up on our time here, but 
if you were to give a shop owner or even a manager uh, some advice as they kind of enter into this new, I don't know, kind of this new environment that is auto shops and auto repair, or diesel repair, whatever it is, and you're trying to figure out, okay, this this career pathing thing feels like a, a pretty big deal, obviously, seems like it might be a lot of work uh, to go into it. How does somebody get started? Like, how? Do, what's the first step? The, the, the first thing is for both the technician as well as the owner, everybody involved, you have to make time. You can't, even if you're, even if you're, especially if you're shorthanded, which we, the industry is. Yes. It's rare that somebody's fully staffed, whether it be sales, you know, technicians and, and, and service that you have to make time to improve and to train and to mentor, or it's only going to get worse right. because when you, when everybody there gets run in the ground and they're, and they're, and they're used up and you haven't trained yourself to help them, you haven't got a mentor identified with this and identify the personality part of part of the process we're doing is is not just train a trainer but get that mentor actually certified between ATI and, and and AMI as a certified mentor sure so there's so that's a clear path for to extend their productivity in life but you got to start you, you really need to start that before they're it's over before they're they're end and gone that way it's in a routine and second nature and, and by experience just like they didn't become a great master technician overnight either they're not going to become a great mentor overnight either and they really need to have that experience on their belt and have it perfected by the time that that's their they're aging out and they can't do all the hard stuff that way you're you're QAing and training and leading the young person to do some of the harder stuff where you're doing some of the right now some of the ADOS key programming with everything electronic fobs and being a vehicle security professional a lot of that's going to doesn't require a lot of back it requires a lot of mind yes. and, and, and a seasoned skill set to where you could be doing more of that while you're training your mentor on changing those engines, those transmissions, those batteries, et cetera, et cetera. So, we're in, so you're building them up. You're investing in them just like they're getting my favorite saying, you know, why do you spend so much on training? What if they leave? What if they don't and they stay? Uh, it, it, it is, this is uh this is really, really good stuff, Jim. I, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. I, uh, I've learned a lot here. I think this is a fascinating topic. Hopefully we'll be able to get you back on here again to, to talk into it, into specific pieces of this more in depth, because it, it does feel like you could spiderweb off of this in about a million different directions. You just can't be too busy to help yourself. Yeah. You know, there again, back to that, what we talked about earlier, definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. If you don't make time, you don't train, you're not reinvesting in your own, you know, uh, team. They might not want to stay invested in you for long. Hmm. That's good stuff to end on, man. This was a, this was a true pleasure. I, uh, I really envy or, or look up to what you do in your business, because I think that's the right way to do it. And, uh, hopefully our listeners kind of took some, some, uh, some good lessons out of this. Appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you, Jake.